Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. We are in the book of Acts tonight, and we're continuing our series, Church on Fire. So if you have a Bible, Acts, uh, Acts 16 is where we're going to be, um, beginning in verse 6. If you have a Bible app, you can follow along there. If you click on events as well, um, you can see the sermon notes to an extent. I should put all my notes in there. That might be interesting. It might distract you guys, though, looking at the weirdness that is my notes. Um, so in this series, we're learning how to be a church on fire. And really the idea, um, as cool as that name sounds, basically the idea is that we would be an impactful and a long-lasting church. That we'd make an impact on the communities that we're in and that we would last a long time. We wouldn't just be like a flash in a pan. But we would be something that continues to make a difference um, as we continue to grow in our relationship with God. And last time, um, we saw the Apostle Paul set out on his second missionary journey. Um, So if you you aren't new to church, if you've been around church a long time, um, I, at least for me, growing up in Sunday school and stuff, I always heard about, like, the Paul's first, second, third missionary journey. But I was very confused on, like, where... They went and that kind of stuff. And I found, we. so I grew up in the New King James. That's what we're going to read tonight. Um, but in like the NIV and the NLT and stuff, it actually starts the subject header, like Paul's first missionary journey. And when I was reading through the Bible this year, I realized that. And I'm like, that is so helpful. Um, so this is Paul is in the middle of Paul's second missionary journey. And fun fact, if you have a, like a real Bible like this, in the back of most Bibles, they've got like a map um, that's got Paul's missionary journey. So if you want to see it, uh, on a map, which is also very interesting and, and cool and very nice and cool, to quote Shane. Um, so Paul set out on a second uh, missionary journey. Tonight we're picking up in chapter 16, um, and really this is their first time that their mission has not been clear. This is the first time where they're marching orders that have been sort of like doors are just opening and everything's making sense and they know where they're supposed to be going and what they're supposed to be doing. This is really the first time where there's been kind of a roadmap and things are unclear. So we're going to talk about that tonight. And I've titled this uh, message, When God Goes Silent. When God Goes Silent. So far... The disciples, what they've been called to and what they've been doing um, has been very clear. Whether it's from the words of Jesus, uh, going back to the end of Luke's gospel, you see it in all the gospels, but Luke, uh, this is sort of like Luke part two, the book of Acts. So at the end of Luke's gospel, we get what is called the Great Commission. And then again, um, in the beginning of Acts, we get sort of another version of the Great Commission. And that is to go into the world, to all of the world, and preach the gospel. And then Jesus tells them sort of like how it's supposed to go out. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be a witness to me in Jerusalem, which is their hometown, in into Judea, which is like their region, to Samaria, which would be like their state, and then to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus kind of gives them the roadmap that he wants them. Hey, start in your backyard, then lead to your community or your uh, your county, um, and then move beyond into your state, into the, all of the region, and then go beyond that to the whole world. So from the words of Jesus, they have what they're supposed to do. 
from visions from heaven. We've got that with uh, the Apostle Paul. We've got that with the Apostle Peter. We've got, they've got very specific visions on what they're supposed to be doing. Um, or it's from persecution. We learned that persecution was actually a way that God worked to get them to go where he wanted them to go. So, so far, they've had very clear instruction on where they're supposed to be going. Everything they've been doing has been clear. But in this passage, that sort of changes. And if we're honest, most of us live more in the unclear than we do the very clear. Like for many of us, most of us, probably all of us, we didn't have a sit-down conversation with Jesus where he said, this is where I want you to go. Right? Like, I haven't had that conversation. Jesus didn't knock on my house literally and be like, hey, Nate, this is where I need you to go. I'm like, thank you. I'm so lost. He hasn't done that. And, and probably for most of us, we haven't had some type of vision where God, for some of us, God has. But for many of us, we haven't had like a vision to say like, okay, this is the direction that I want your life to go in. And, and so a lot of the times we live in the unclear, the unknown. And sort of their upward mobility, what has been happening has sort of paused. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know where they're going. And it seems as if God has gone silent on that. On them, And I'm sure many of us can relate to this. You thought your life was going to go a certain way or God was going to do something specific or you had sort of upward mobility. You felt clarity. You felt like God was doing something. And now it seems like all of that is paused. God's gone silent. It's like, hello, are you there? Like for maybe a little while, you felt like maybe you were first saved or first really walking with God. And you felt like every day there was like, clarity or God was revealing something to you or there's something new and exciting about walking with God and maybe there's been a, a period of time for you and you're like kind of all the you know like when you get a new phone you're like ah it's a new phone this is so exciting and then like a couple weeks you're like, like at first you're like taking all good care of it and you're like setting it down very nice and carefully and then you've had it for a week and you're like you, just, you know what I mean like you just the newness wears off and sort of the, like, excitement of it wears off. And sometimes relationship with, maybe it's been new, and now it's no longer new. And sort of the excitement, the buzz, the, the energy is kind of gone. Or maybe one time you felt really close to God, your prayer life was good, and now you don't hear or feel anything when we pray. So what do we do when God goes silent? Now, we're going to work through this chapter, kind of just follow the story, because I think this story, Acts 16, is one of my favorites. Um, so we're going to move through it, kind of, um, the, 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 the preacher term is we're going to exposit it. We're just going to break it down expositionally through the end of the chapter. This is kind of old school, Calvary Chapel style, is what we're going to do. But we're going to see what, what we do when God goes silent. Sound good? All right, Acts 16, beginning in verse um, 6, it says this. Now when they, this is Paul, Timothy, and Silas, had gone through Phrygia, I think that's how you say it, it sounds Greek, Phrygia, and the region of Galatia, listen to this, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to what? What's that word? Okay, so they were forbidden by who? The Holy Spirit to do what? Preach the word in Asia. Already I'm confused. Because... The Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, will make you a witness of me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and where? The ends of the earth. So as far as I know, Galatia 
is part, or Asia is part of the ends of the earth. As far as I know. It's part of, it's like on planet earth, correct? Yeah, we're, I think we would all kind of agree that Asia is on planet earth. So it fits into the category of the Great Commission. And already they're, all right, we're going to Asia, preaching the gospel, because Jesus told us to. And then we're told that the Holy Spirit forbid them to preach the word in Asia. So they came to Mysia. They tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So they tried to go to Asia. God's like, uh-uh. They tried to go to, uh, what's the second place? Bithynia. <laughs> Wrong. We're not going there. All right. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. They get to Troas. And in Troas, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So Paul's gone to these few different places, nothing. Then he has a vision. Now, after he had seen the vision, verse 10, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Okay, so this seems pretty casual at a quick look, but they go to a few places, they have no clarity, and then God speaks through a vision. But this could have been weeks. So, so from the time that they start, like, okay, we're going to go to Asia, and God's like, wrong. And they're like, all right, we're going to go over here. Um, scholars say that they, they've traveled somewhere between like two and 500 miles. Um, on, not in a car. They didn't have an Uber. They didn't take an airplane. They walked it. So this is like two or three weeks of them walking from one location to the next location, arriving and think, okay, we're going to preach the gospel. Why? Because Jesus told us to. And he told us to go to the end of the earth. And this is on planet earth, so it counts. And they get there, and they have this sense. The Holy Spirit, however that looked, or the, maybe they just had a weird feeling, or, or whatever it was, they're like, we're not supposed to be here. All right? Where are we supposed to go? I don't know. Let's try that way. All right. So they travel again. They get to a new location. Nothing. Travel again. Get to a new location. Nothing. Waiting on God. God is silent. All they know is they're not supposed to be here, but we don't know where we're supposed to be. And finally, God gave them some direction. We see that in verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him. No, notice a couple things. Number one, he had a vision at night. Now, the Bible defines two different things about how God could speak in this type of way. One is through a vision. One is through a dream. The primary difference between a vision and a dream is in a vision you're awake, in a dream you're asleep. Okay? So if you look at the book of Daniel, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he has a bunch of dreams. Weird dreams. Super weird dreams. And he wakes up and he's like, that was a weird dream. And it wasn't like he had too much like sleepy time tea or something like that. And he woke up like, I feel weird and I had a weird dream. Like he had weird dreams and then God was speaking to him. And then Daniel, who was a... a important character in the Bible, would interpret that dream. But then in other cases, we actually saw them earlier in the book of Acts, God would speak through a vision. Basically, it's like a dream, but you're awake. You're seeing it. You're, it's like playing out before you, but you're awake. You know it's happening. The primary difference is that one's asleep, one's awake. Now notice Paul had a vision, meaning he's awake, and we're told it was at night. I can only imagine Paul is up at night wondering maybe stressing, maybe anxious about what in the world are we supposed to be doing? Like, 
You, you know those nights where you're, you're like, what, is go- what am I doing? Where am I going? What, is, what, what are my life choices? What, am I, where, what the heck am I doing? You know those types of nights where you're like laying in bed and you're thinking about just the future and you just kind of spiral and you've got that pit in your stomach and you're like, what am I doing? Perhaps that was Paul. Wide awake, thinking about his future. Where are we going? I'm confused. I'm lost. And then we're told that God gave him a vision. God speaks. And what he spoke was that there was a man doing a work in Macedonia that needed help. Okay, so boom. Guys, Timothy, Silas, and we're actually told Luke is now with them because you'll notice the language as we read. It goes from they to we. So Luke is with them now. Luke is the author of the book of Acts. So he wakes them up maybe and he's like, guys, I got it. We're going to Macedonia. So continuing the story, verse 11. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to uh, Samo the race. I don't know how to say that. And the next day came to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of the part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down there and spoke to the women who met there. Now, a certain woman named Lydia uh, heard us. She was the seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful in the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Okay, so God gave them direction. So, so far, God's silent. We're like, it's not there, it's not here, it's not here. Finally, God's like, go to Macedonia. All right, we're going there. There's a guy there. He's doing a work, and he needs help. That's basically the vision. So Paul, they go to, they get a boat. They set sail. They get to Macedonia to specifically a place called Philippi. And when they get there, notice that they find no men, and they find no work. So the vision was specifically, there's a man calling for help, saying, come help us with this work. They get there. There's no men. There's no work. So they had an idea of what God was doing, only to get there and to not see it like God said it. So you're like, wait a second. I thought this is what we were supposed to be doing. And we get there, and it's not. Instead, they find a group of women having a prayer meeting by a riverside. Now, notice that we're told it was the Sabbath. Paul's custom, whenever he would get to a city because he was Jewish, he would go to the synagogue and he would meet with the the people, the the Jews first, and he would preach to them in the synagogue because he had an open door. Paul was before a Pharisee, which was like a religious leader. And so Paul would go to the synagogues. He had an open door there. He would share. But in cities where there was no synagogue because there weren't very many Jews, they would meet outside the city by a river. And so, Paul, there's no synagogue in Philippi. Okay, we're going to go to the river. We're going to see what God's up to. They get there, and it's a handful of ladies having a prayer meeting. And remember, this is Paul's vision. (laughs) Paul's like, okay, we're going to Philippi. There's going to be a work there. Something is going on. There's like a buzz there. There's a work. There's something happening. And there's a man there, probably. They get there. There's neither. No work, no men. Now, The woman that they meet, Lydia, she's amazing. Um, We're we're told a couple of things about her. One, we're told that she was a seller of purple. Um, Purple was a royal color or at the very least a sign of wealth. So to be a seller of purple, not just like the color purple, 
um, but she would probably make fabrics or clothes or things like that. So she was probably, most likely, wealthy and important in this area. So it's not just a coincidence that they meet this woman, Lydia. And also notice she's a follower of God. In other words, she's, she's seeking God. She's never met Jesus, but she knows that God is out there. She knows that God cares about her. She knows that there's a way to have a relationship with them. And so here they are having this prayer meeting, waiting on God, search, searching for God. She hears the message of Jesus and wants to be a part of it. She then opens up her home to the disciples, and they stay there. And that becomes home base for them as they continue the work in Philippi. So there's a lot of good here. Like, cool stuff happens. But notice, this is not at all the vision that they have. This is not at all what they thought God would be doing. So God was first silent, then he speaks, and what seems to come about is not at all what they thought. And I wonder if we've ever felt like that. So first we feel like God's silent. God, are you, do you have a plan for my life? Are you doing anything? Where am I going? And then maybe we're like, okay, maybe this is it. Maybe God wants me to do this. Maybe, maybe it's whatever. I don't know. And then we like start stepping. We start serving God. We start praying more. We start, and then it's like, this is not at all what I thought it was going to be. I thought I would experience this, or I thought I'd walk through this, or I thought, and it's not at all what we thought. No real work going on and no one that needs help. All right, so the story continues. So remember again, we've gone from God's not speaking to vision to woman or to, well, you guys get it. All right, moving on, verse 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Now, so she's some sort of, like, psychic is basically what's happening. And she works for these guys that are keep, they, like, they are happy that she is this way, the psychic, possessed by a demon, however uh, it worked, I don't know. Um, they're happy like that. So this woman, she's possessed by some spirit that allows them, her to make money for these guys. Verse 17, this girl followed Paul and us. Notice the language switch. So now Luke has joined the party. That's just a little tidbit. And cried out, saying, this is the woman speaking, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And she did for many days. Okay, so she's following them around, and she's claiming, these are the men, servants of the Most High God, who proclaim the way of salvation. Which is not a bad message, right? It's actually a really good message. But I'm assuming the tone wasn't right. Something off about this girl. Because look at Paul's response. And she did this for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities, and they brought them to the magistrates. And they said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. All right. Let's rewind once more. I'm built, uh, like we're going somewhere. So 
They're wandering around trying to serve God, and God is silent. They're like, what are we doing? They're like, not here, not here, not here. God's like, vision. Macedonia, Philippi, there's a work there. There's a man. He needs your help. They're like, all right, guys, we got the, let's do it. They get to Philippi. What do they find? No work, no men. This is weird. God said this. This is not what we thought it was going to be. What are we doing? Whatever. God's doing something anyways. There's this group of wonderful women. God is using them in a mighty way. This is, it's, it's not bad what's happening. It's just different than what God said. So they're like, okay, we're good. We'll stay with Lydia. We'll, 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 we'll disciple these ladies. We'll see what happens, and we'll kind of go from there. So then they're walking around. They're doing their thing. This weird situation shows up, right? This random slave girl possessed by some demonic spirit that gives her the ability to be like a psychic or something like that. And her, her like guys in charge are making, basically pimping her out for psychic whatever. And God, or Paul shows up and this girl follows him around for some time. To the point where Paul snaps. That's it. Oh, I'm done with this. <laughs> he snaps and he, he sets her free. Which sort of a couple thoughts. One, we see that the primary ministry of Paul was not miracles. Which is interesting. right? Paul wasn't going from town to town and casting out demons or performing miracles. If he was, that would have been the first thing he did. Right? Like day one. This girl's like in bondage to this. We need to set her free. It's really interesting. And it also shows that God still uses people even with weird or bad motives. Right? God used Paul to cast out the demon, which is a good thing, from a weird motive. What was his motive? Being annoyed. Like, whatever. Fine, I guess I'll serve God. (laughs) That's Paul. Annoyed, he does this work. Okay, so this miracle then doesn't cause, like, all of a sudden the vision that they had to come about, right? It wasn't like all of a sudden, like, okay, this is what we were talking about. Let's, let's press in. Instead, this, this miracle leads them to prison. God is silent. They wander around waiting to hear from God. God speaks. They go to Macedonia. There's a man that needs help with a work. Go to Macedonia. No men, no work. Start a work with Lydia. Perform a miracle and get thrown into prison. That's the story. Do you see the, like, confusion and frustration? Now, I'm kind of dragging it on because I think often this is our life. If I could, like, reel your attention back in for a moment and say this is our life so often. Where it's like one unclear thing after another. Walking through unknown after unknown. Wanting to do. Wishing we could. Waiting on God. What's going to happen? I don't know. This is hard. And it's not at all going the way that I thought it was going to go. All right, final section that we're going to look at tonight. Verse 25 says this. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison door, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Because remember the, the charge before that he was supposed to guard them with his life. That was a big command, and if you disobey, like, you're dead. So he's like, I might as well just end it all. 
And Paul called with a loud voice, verse 28, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we're all here. Then he called for a light and ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, listen to this, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, here it is, salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his household. And they took them in the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Okay, so their response to nothing going their way. They worship God even in the prison cell. Here's the story, right? God's silent. God's confusing. Nothing's going the way I thought. And not only is it just weird, but now it's hard. We're, we're in prison. We're being persecuted. We're, we're wrongfully accused. And we're actually, because we'll, we're not going to look at it, but Paul was a Roman citizen. So he was not, as a Roman citizen, you were not allowed to be thrown into prison without first going through trial. But because they didn't ask him if he's a Roman citizen, they just beat him up and threw him in jail. And so they broke their own law. And Paul's going to use that in a moment. And it's kind of like his jail, get out of jail free card. It's really cool. Um, but the point is, through all of that difficulty, all of that confusion, notice, notice their response to worship God. So I want to kind of give us, as we close, two application points that I think we learn from a season of if God, if, if it feels silent, if we feel like this, if we feel like it's up and down or confused or lost or I don't know what I'm doing or I don't know where I'm going. The first one is this. God is equally concerned with what he does in you as what he does through you. God is equally concerned with what he does in you as what he does through you. Often the mark of God speaking or working is what he's doing around us. Right? Sometimes the evidence of the fact that we're like where God wants us to be is because of external, whether it's circumstance or, or what the Bible language fruit or byproduct of this work of God. And so we feel like God is silent or we don't have clarity because we don't have a visible gauge of him doing something. But listen to me, maybe all that's going on in your life is designed to develop some sort of characteristic or something within you. Maybe all that God's doing that or not doing or you're sensing or you're not sensing around you is actually God trying to develop something within you. Because I don't think God is, is, I think he is concerned. That's why I said equally, but I don't know if it's like 100%, like it's 50-50. I don't know. But God is, is concerned with what he's doing around you. But God is really concerned with what he's doing inside you. God is doing something in you. God wants you to be a person uh, of faith. God wants you to be a person of, of agape love. God wants you to be a person of compassion. God wants you to be a person of long-suffering. God wants you to be a person that's filled with joy. God wants you to be a, purpose, a, per, a person that can celebrate other people. God wants you to be a person that can find the good in circumstances, not just the negative. God wants you to be a person that, that is willing to get back up or forgive people when they've wronged you. And so all the things that we've walked through in life, oftentimes 
are designed by God to birth something within us. And sometimes we get so frustrated with what we aren't seeing around us, and we need to recognize that God is actually concerned with what's going on inside you. And so it's in times where we don't know what God's doing that really cause us to have trust in him and wait on him. Second thought is this. Worship team, you guys can come up. The, what, what, God is, what, what is happening when God is silent or what we do when we really don't know what's going on is we have to realize, number one, that God is equally concerned with what he's doing in you. But secondly, God is good and worthy of our worship even in the silence and the difficulty. <clears throat> God is good and worthy of our worship even in the silence and the difficulty. Nothing had turned out the way that they thought. Okay, let me just say this, and, and, and if, if somebody's told you something other than this. Walking with God, a lot of the times, like, this is like kind of not a hoorah message. It's kind of a bummer. But walking with God sometimes, oftentimes, does not turn out the way that we want or think or thought. You know, sometimes we think that, that like, walking with God just means life is going to get gradually better until we die. And to be, like, it just is not necessarily the case of walking with Jesus. Sometimes it gets really difficult. Sometimes it gets really hard. Sometimes you do all the right things and the outcome is only bad things. Sometimes you, 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 you pray and you worship and you read your Bible and you have good godly conversations with friends and you lose friends. Sometimes you stand up for what's right and you like don't back down or you don't compromise and there's not like a big celebration. Everyone's like, you did it. That was so awesome. You just kind of like, well, that was uneventful. <clears throat> Sometimes you do something kind and compassionate and gracious and nobody notices. In fact, sometimes you do something kind and compassionate and gracious and, and the opposite happens. People do notice and they belittle you. So, so what I'm trying to say is sometimes life doesn't go according to plan. Sometimes life isn't good. Sometimes life isn't fair. Sometimes even though you're doing everything right, other people are celebrated and, and they get pushed ahead and you get pushed below. Sometimes you do everything right and nothing goes right. That's, that's, that's what happens sometimes. And so what we learn in seasons like that or lives like that, because let me tell you, I, I have read and have met people whose life is perpetually them doing what's right and experiencing the bad. Perpetually. It's not like there's an end in sight. Like that is their life. So sometimes when that happens and we walk through that, what we need to understand is that God is good and God is worthy of our worship even in the silence and in the difficulty. We don't worship circumstances. We don't worship feelings. We don't worship good vibes. We don't worship good situations. We don't worship health and wealth and benefits and blessing and favor. 
We don't worship that stuff. We worship Jesus, who's worthy of our worship, even in the difficulty, even in the pain, even in the prison, even in the hardship, even in the loneliness. We worship God because, listen, he is good even when life is bad. And what God wants to teach you and what God wants to teach me and what God is going to continue to teach us is that we better, like Paul and Silas, when it's the middle of the night and we're locked in the deepest, darkest prison cell that they have, and when they've turned out all the lights and they've beat us to a pulp and they've left us alone, we, like Paul and Silas, have to go like, well, should we sing King of My Heart? I like that one. Let's sing it. (laughs) Right? Like we have to be like, okay, this is hard. This doesn't make any sense. But you are good. Oh. (laughs) Like this doesn't make any sense. But God, you're never going to let me down. And even though this circumstance and this situation and this season isn't fair and isn't right, you're good and you're worthy. So let me just encourage us when God is silent or, or life is unclear or life is hard to know that God is actually producing something in you. And let me just remind you that he's still good. He's still on the throne. He still loves you. He still sees you. He's still with you. He's still for you. And even though circumstances and feelings don't look like that, God is. And listen to me. Listen to me. This is like, this is so good. This is so important for us. When our feelings are screaming something else, when our circumstances are shouting something else, we have to go back to what God has said. We cannot live our life based upon a feeling or circumstance. We have to. We have to live our life on what God has said. And God said you're loved. God said you're chosen. God said he's for you. God said he's with you. God said he's never going to let you down. So believe that over what you're walking through. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray for us.